I'm struck by how very often people come up the front here and say, whilst I was walking my dogs, or whilst I was out and there was someone else who was walking their dogs, or I was interacting with my dogs and they really spoke to me in this. God communicates through dogs. We're loving having uh, Archie and Maisie um, staying with us at the moment, um, and Jules is pretty much convinced that she can have a dog when they go. Well, I'm not. But, uh, not that I don't love having them. Yeah, I, I'm not, but you know, I'm open to change. Oh, that's a good segue, isn't it? I'm going to give you a brief synopsis of what we're doing this morning and, and then uh, read a chunk of scripture which I hope that you'll be able to stay with me through um, and see how it relates to everything we're doing. So uh, synopsis here, the, the overview of this morning is that Jesus was familiar with um, encouraging change in his followers and in society at large. He didn't come to maintain the status quo. Oh no. And we know that he's countercultural, that the kingdom was a topsy turvy kingdom. And there's a bunch of, you have heard it said, but I say quotes that you're going to hear this morning. So Jesus said, You've heard it said, or you understand, or the current status quo is this, but I say, and it's different. And, uh, and we're going to go through those this morning. I believe that change is important in the life of all Christians as individuals and as the church. We can keep on doing what we're doing. Some things that we're doing are good and to be maintained. Some things are good and can be better. Some things, if we change them, might get worse. And so we don't want to change in that direction. I am not here to say that change for the sake of change is great. That's not what we're doing this morning. So if that scared you by change equals growth, you know, th that's not what we're doing. Growth means change is exactly what Andy said earlier on. To grow, something has to change. If nothing changes, there is no growth. By what metric are you defining your growth if there is nothing that's changed? So change is here to stay in different forms at different levels for different people at different times. And it can give rise to incredible personal and corporate growth. And I'm going to bring in some wisdom from different people uh, this morning, as well as uh, you know, some, some revelation from reading things in the Word as well. And I, just, I hope that um, you pull out for you those things that challenge you to grow and recognize that there are some things, even maybe that you've held on to as quite, quite precious for you, that if you really look at it, might have been holding you back. All sounds very vague at the moment. Let's uh, read some Bible uh, from one of my favorite passages of scripture, um, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, it's not a photo, uh, didn't come from a documentary, it's an artist uh, impression, uh, quite crowded though. Um, the Sermon on the Mount, different scholars think that uh, it either was a, a single event where Jesus went up onto the mountainside and taught a group of people who were there for the entirety of that single sermon, or whether it's more like a collection of the teachings that he gave as he, as he taught on mountainsides and in different places. And it brings these, three, these collections, these uh, preaches together. 
Either way, it is a condensed set of wisdom that we can pretty much guarantee isn't verbatim because, you know, someone's going to have said, sorry, what? Or ask for context, or he's going to embellish on something. But it is condensed. You can get a lot out of what, what is said here. And I indicated that we're going to have the, you have heard it said, but I say, countercultural things that Jesus specialized in. So Matthew 5, to do with murder. You have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. You shall not murder. You'd have thought that's something that doesn't need changing. We're quite okay with that one. Yeah, we're going to keep that. But Jesus says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother, Raka or fool, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there, in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them, and then come and offer your gift. For those of you who give by standing order, thank you very much. Maybe on the first of every month, as that standing order goes out, you need to think, you know, God is not after my money so much as my heart. Maybe before, or maybe on the 31st or the last day of the, the previous month, you want to get yourself right because you know that the offering's going out anyway. And so before you give your gift, it's your heart first and foremost that God is after. Merely obeying the law do not murder, could still give utter breadth and depth for being a terrible, terrible person, couldn't it? And Jesus says it's more than just not ending someone's life. It's more than that. It's how you deal with them in life. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on your way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. It's probably not talking about a physical prison here. You will not get out. Now about adultery. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. Can we say that Jesus might have been using an element of humor here, or are we taking this literally? Because I see amongst us many, many two-eyed people. So either that's an indication that, uh, that you've never... Um, had a problem looking at anything in an incorrect way, or that uh, you've taken it as a bit of humor. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Don't you worry about that. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said... Anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. Very functional, that, isn't it? You divorce your wife, you've got to give them a certificate of divorce. All right? You know, thanks, law. 
But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows that you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. Just to explain that, people would go around going, I swear on heaven above that I will and they commit an extra weight to their promises by swearing on things that they've got absolutely nothing, uh, no control over. And it's really depressing the number of times I get kids at school, I swear on my mother's life, I did not do that. I'm like, if I found out you did, then that's, you know, there's some serious issues going on there, chap. Um, And Jesus takes it even further. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So that was, that was prophesied over me some time ago. I was 17 at the time. Uh, someone said to me, Look, your, your tongue is a weapon for good and for evil. You can build people up. You can destroy them quickly with what you say. Be careful of what you say to people. And also, in the past, you've been a bit of a yes man. You've said yes because you want to please people. But God says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And at the age of 17, you know, that's the thing to hear, isn't it? Because that has stuck with me because people have asked me stuff. And yeah, I can... If I can help, I often say, yeah, okay, yeah, even to my detriment, I'll I'll try and help you with that. But I've learned, and this has resonated with me for a long time, I've learned for a long time to try to say no where I need to say no, rather than say yes and then fail to do so. And so I know that there are people here for whom I've said yes to things and it's not happened, for which I apologize. You know, that's not my intent. Uh, We're all human and weak and uh, fallible. Uh, aren't we? Thank you. (sighs) To preaching to a crowd of one today. It's resonating with me is what it's doing. Uh, Right. You have heard that it was said, Jesus is going on, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, whatever happens to you, you have the right to make sure that that happens to the one who did that to you. I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Again, uh, interpretation and humor, perhaps. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you. Do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, What are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? 
Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Is anyone there yet? Is anyone there perfect yet? <laughs> Judy, I honestly thought you were putting your hand up. I thought, right, drop mic, off you go. <laughs> teach us, teach us. Because don't we want, we have this example of Jesus who is perfect just as his Father in heaven is perfect and we are called to make progress towards that level of perfection. And Jesus is quite damning of society, really. Don't even the tax collectors love the people who love them. Don't even the, uh, the pagans look out for those who look out for them. You guys, you are called. We are called to look out for those who will give us nothing back. To help people, to feed, clothe and house people who in the end will say, I've got what I need and off they go. And we are called to do so in love and not say, why are they not doing what we want them to do now? Why Don't they owe us anything? The answer is no, they don't owe us anything because else we are doing what we do to try and buy something back. And that's not what we're called to do. So I've got five movements towards change that I want us to go through. Recognize yourself, recognize God, make a start, actually do it, in community, and the role of sacrifice. Five important aspects of change. And recognize yourself is a really interesting one. I have here a picture of a, a knight standing before a dragon. Uh, because I've, I've been listening to, uh, as I say, a fair amount of wisdom from, uh, from things. And change is difficult. Change is the, the darkness outside the campfire. Change is often viewed as a dragon. Change is that which is unknown and about which we can have fear. Uh, a dearly, well, recently departed um, pastor and his wife often used to say, you know, Ginny used to say that fear, she loved the false evidence appearing real is what fear stands for, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. And so you think that something is real, but it really it's just the false evidence, it's the unknown. It's something that could become something. But the great thing about the dragon, the great thing about the darkness, is when you shine a light on it, when you look at it hard, when you define its parameters, when you, when you analyze it, it can shrink, it loses its power. So... I've said recognize yourself. Acknowledge that you are weak. Change can only come if we allow it. We are all in ultimate power over the change that is made within us. Some things happen to us and bring about you know, catastrophic change. We, we change our, uh, our situations and our circumstances because of outside influences all the time. But what I'm saying is um, the change within you, the change towards this line, this challenge of be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, starts in each of us. And it starts from, from recognizing the need for change, because we can only change if we recognize that there's a need. Recognize the dissatisfaction in the, in the current status. You know, what we're doing at the moment, if it's not perfect, then there's a problem. And that's hard to, to take sometimes. Because we have this standard of good enough. And 
Jesus said, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so we know, don't we, that we haven't met the standard. Romans 3 says, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it's the one power that we have over God, really, And he can harden our hearts and soften our hearts. He can influence us. But if you don't want to change, then then he's not going to force you. That's that thing about that human divine partnership. If you don't want to change, then God cannot, well, God does not force you. It's a sad place to be, really. So for some of us, you'll be thinking instantly, I know what he's talking about. I know what needs to change in my life. And that's a really good place to be at the moment. At the beginning of this talk, that's a really good place to be, to, to be thinking, I've identified and I've, I've, I, can, I can stare down this thing that needs to change. And for others of us, you'll be sat next to someone who you think, I, really, I, I know what needs to change in their life. And that is not a good place to be. <laughs> no, let's bring this one back in, shall we? Have a think about yourself. Um, yeah, and let's, let's make this personal. Because we need God's help to change. We can't do this on our own. And I quite liked this picture for recognize God. Because there's two things in this picture. There is all of creation and there is a person. And it's more of a, a state, really. To know that you need God's help to change and that you can't do it on your own is vitally important. Because if you could do it on your own, what would you have done? Yeah? You'd have made the change already. If you you are completely independent in this, then why not just achieve perfection? And this is... This is great. We need God's help in this. This is not working towards some personal, um, you know, state of enlightenment where you recognize all things but it is you asking God for his help God inspired changes lasting and good and results in atonement and we've used some big words some some Christiany words over the course of this morning and in the songs there's always some that slip in there hallelujah our God reigns what does hallelujah even mean it's like a yeah, that's what it is. Woohoo! That's all that word means, but it's a nicer word to sing than woohoo! Because um, people join in with hallelujah. When woohoo is in brackets in, in songs, yeah, no one sings that, do they? Um, except if they're told to and they're a backing singer. Where's Joel? The hallelujah is a more socially acceptable way of saying this is awesome. Our God reigns. And atonement is another, you know, uh, you don't use it really in, in everyday um, verbiage, speakage, parlance, whatever, um, in language. That's the word I was looking for. Language is the word I couldn't find. Um, and uh, we, we like to break these words down and atonement is spelt like at one right? It doesn't actually, you know, mean that 
specifically, that's not, it's not a contraction of those three words, but it's really good to think of it in that way. When you're atoned for, when your sins are paid for, you can become at one again with God. And so needing God's help to change, if we're to become perfect as God is perfect, then we are to become sinless, blameless, and spotless, and we are powerless to do any of that. And God does that as a free gift for what Jesus did. It's fantastic. And it's only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it can be a painful process. When Jesus said that uh, before you give your gifts, go and make it right with someone. Go and make it right with anyone that you've got current grievance with. That's not an easy thing to do, is it? Especially if they're bewildered by the fact that you're saying you've got a grievance with them, then you're kind of opening up something that they didn't know about and, and creating the opportunity for fresh hurt. And what I love about this family, as far as I know, this family of GCC, is that there is this openness as one of our stated values, which actually isn't just a pretty icon and a bit of wording on a website, but there is the opportunity for people to say, I don't think this is right. I don't think that we've been dealt with fairly in this way. I think things should change. And we have these conversations all the time. Let's keep those conversations going. Also, subset, we can't please everyone. Um, so don't just come and say, I'd like it a bit louder, because the next person who comes along will say, could be doing, doing with a bit quieter. And, you know, what can we do? Mike, by the way, I thought it sounded lovely this morning. Uh, PA people never hear that. If you want to express that to a PA person, feel free to do so. We are, are we not, um, on this journey with God. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. That comes right after the bit that says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 25, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. We've stuffed it up, but we have an answer in Jesus Christ. We can be atoned. We can be, um, in God's eyes, perfect as he is perfect because of the price paid. And so therefore, Paul had this argument, surely then I can just go around and, uh, and do what I want because, you know, it's all paid for, isn't it? It's like a, an all-inclusive band at, uh, on a, a five-star holiday. You can eat whatever you like. Really? Can you? Does your heart, liver, and spleen say you can eat ever anything you like? Do your lips and your hips match up with this? No. Come on. You cannot eat anything you like because there are consequences. You cannot do anything you want because there are consequences. So we are still called towards change because although it's paid for, God wants the best for us. And that's great. I was thinking about belong, believe, be changed and thought, actually, you know what? Belonging, believing, being changed. You can belong, but if you belong, then you're in this continual state of belonging. Are you not? Yeah, belonging, present tense. Believing, don't stop believing. Instantly, everyone's thinking of the song. Uh, don't. Uh, don't stop believing. Uh, keep on believing. It's a current state of being. It's not believe one-off, done. Okay? Believing. 
and similarly being changed. Be transformed. Be being transformed through the renewing of your mind. It's a continual state of being. And through this, I'm not going to get up in a few weeks' time and say, right, who's done it? Who changed? Who is now better than they were before? Because uh, we're all on this journey, on a continual journey. You might be thinking, you know what, that's only two points and he's already 20 minutes in. That's right, let's, um, let's speed up because number three is make a start. Albert Einstein attributed this quote. Uh, I love that photo of him, don't we all, with the tongue out. Um, I don't know if it was him who said it, but a definition of insanity, an aspect of insanity, is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting somehow a different result. And we can get caught in that. We can get caught in that, in that rut. We expect God to move in power, but we still did what we did last week and, and didn't give him any space to do so. We expect um, for our relationship to suddenly be better with someone, even if we treat them uh, in the same way that we treated them before. You know, something's got to change for change to happen. So number three is literally just make a start. And you make a start inside, personally, inward. The, uh, the best analogy for this one from Scripture is, is the, the speck in someone's eye and the plank in your own eye, isn't it? Where Jesus said, look, don't go around looking for little bits in people's eyes when you've got this plank, I love his humor again, a plank, not, not a splinter in your own eye, but a plank, a, a plank means a plank. Literally, it would be a person walking around with a plank in their eye. Jesus was being a bit funny, but this was it. It didn't have a second meaning. So don't go looking for the speck of sawdust in someone's eye when you've got a plank poking out of your own eye. Serious plankar fasciitis. It's nasty. And so, except that that's a foot condition. Yeah. <laughs> plankar fasciitis. No, I, I don't know. Conjunctive. No. You make a pun. So <laughs> uh, it is very important, therefore, isn't it, that change starts with ourselves? And you can imagine that removing the plank could do with you know, chopping some of it down and chopping some of it down. If you held a plank up to your eye and then took it away, you would have dust in your eye. You'd have multiple bits of dust. And there you are looking for someone with you know, a speck in their own eye. Sort yourself out. And... Um, Get your own house in order, first of all. And if your house is too big of a challenge, then tidy your bedroom. And I actually mean that physically. Tidy your room. If your room is untidy, tidy your room. Speaking to myself as much as anyone here, it's a good place to start, is it not? Also, Mikey, if you happen to listen to the recording of this one, particularly you, this is, <laughs> please tidy your room. <laughs> Yeah, Dad, yeah, I'll keep it tidy from now on. Yeah, <laughs> okay, because I've helped, yeah, anyway. <laughs> it is hard to begin with. Making that start is the hardest thing you can do. If when you're sat here, you've recognized a relationship that could do with being improved, if you've recognized a habit that you're into, then starting is a hard thing to do. If your attitude towards something needs to change, starting is a hard thing to do, but it is powerful. And also, there's power in community. 
I've said that this is an individual thing where introspectively you are looking at that which needs to change and that you're starting with yourself. And you are. You are the only one responsible for the relationship between you and God. You can't say, you know what, I'm leaving GCC because my relationship with God just isn't where it should be. Is it not? Where should it be? And what can you do about that? But in community, bring others with you on that journey. Talk to others and and have them speaking over you. You know, positive influence. Share your deepest hurts and try to resolve those things, not in isolation. If you could do it on your own and without God, you would have already done it. You're not the agent of change, however, in your friend's life. God is. I'm not responsible for anyone's salvation. And often you find that when, when you talk to people whose spouses or siblings or, or you know, children are, are not following Jesus, you feel like you yourself have failed, but you are not the one to save them. You can do all you can, but you are not the one to save them. That's between them and God. Okay? And similarly, it, with change, we are not the ones to bring about change in each other's lives, but we are vitally important in that process for each other, which is a real encouragement. Community is the best way to do this. And the AA have this in their, in their 12 steps. Um, they have quite a few of these things, you know, th- these elements. Um, but to do this in community is vitally important. They've seen that empirically, scientifically measured. People who want to bring about change, doing so in community, a lot better chance of it happening. Okay? Makes, makes sense. So, um, yeah, as I said, addiction literature states the most successful release from addiction is always coupled with a spiritual transformation as well. Um, and we know that the, the Oxford uh, groups, um, the, his- the history of AA, was that was church-based. And it said you can't do this on your own in something that is very, you know, accepted these days uh, in terms of um, psychology. Spiritual transformation is key to bringing about change. Now, going back to the, um, to the things that Jesus spoke about, adultery, lust, and an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth, and murder. And these can all be brought into two categories of aggression and lust. Don't be aggressive towards others. Don't be angry, don't murder, don't, uh, don't seek revenge for stuff that's happened to you. Aggression. Don't look at someone lustfully, don't commit adultery, don't divorce people. Um, lust. And th- if you ask any prominent psychologist what are the two main consuming attributes, they are aggression and lust. They lead to anger. And if I was going Yoda, I'd say anger leads to fear and fear leads to the dark side. You know, there's a lot of truth in Star Wars as well, but let's, uh, let's move on. Aggression and lust, they're destructive. And Jesus has, has um, laid them out and said, look, murder, eye for an eye, love your enemies. Deal with aggression and divorce and adultery. Deal with lust. Deal with it and get it sorted. So then comes personal sacrifice. And I'm over time, so I'm going to stop. But just know that this is not an easy thing to do. But it is an incredible thing to do. 
I hope uh, that in April next year, uh, I'll be lining up on the start line, or rather in a starting pen, for the London Marathon. Uh, I say I hope because I've got a place, so I should be in, uh, but I've suffered with injury over the course of uh, the few months leading up to to kind of November. I had a, um, a, uh, a fractured leg from running too much. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Um, and so I've had to give that time to heal. And now, and over that time to heal, I've put on a bunch of weight. I'm seriously, I've put on a stone and a half. You might not have noticed. You might have noticed, I'm tensing. Um, but, you know, it was hard because I hadn't got the motive. I couldn't do the thing that I wanted to do, and, but I was still eating like I was running 10 miles a day. Um, and, but now I'm building it back up. I had to analyze and say, what needs to change? I need to do things differently because last time it didn't work. I need to start, but I need to start small. I need to go, do you remember our first, my first run back? Jules, I think it feels all right. Let's go for a run together. And let's do a, just a, an easy 5K, just a, you know, a gentle one to, to go round. And I came back and said, it feels all right. I know some of you are nudging and going, 5K, easy. What is he? Some no, seriously. Um, I was used to doing a lot longer than that previously. And a mile is, is uh, 42 kilometers. Uh, a mile is. A marathon is 42 kilometers. And so I'm looking forward to being at that place again where I can do that without pain and um, my body is prepared for it and it takes change. And I want to do it in community. And I post my stuff to Strava and my friends and, and family are encouraging and there's some people who are a lot better than me who give encouragement and uh, hints and tips and I read stuff. And, you know, I do it in agreement with for time frame with, with Jules and with the family and things like that. I do this in community because I feel I've got support. And I really do ask us to consider that which needs to change in us. We can, we can think about these things. We can think about that which needs to change in us. Belonging, believing and being changed is a is an ongoing thing to do. In small groups this week, you'll think about this stuff and personally apply it. And I've got the questions here. There's questions on the back over there as well. If you are to grow personally, change is required. Can you identify a specific area of growth that you would like to see accomplished in your life? Jesus spoke out against lust and aggression in Matthew 5. Feel free to read it again. With which of the you have heard it said passages do you most identify and why? Where is your struggle at? Change is best worked out in community. As a group, how practically, emotionally, spiritually can we work to support each other in our journey of growth? Interesting times. I just want to pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you call us not to a life of mediocrity, but to life and life in all its fullness. And I know that to have life in all its fullness, I cannot continue with those things that hold me back and cause blockages in my relationship with you. Father God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would shine a light into every dark corner of our lives and that we would, without fear, be able to tackle those things head on that hold us back from you. 
whether they be secret things that only we know about or whether they be the way we talk, the way we feel, our attitudes towards people that are holding us back from experiencing proper love, whether there's hard forgiveness that needs to be gone through or whether, Father God, it's more a case of you encouraging us into more of what we're doing. I pray that you would help us to be clear about what we need to do um, for, for now and for the future. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.